Community Church, welcome to Worship Together and a brand new series that we're launching as the beginning of this summer that we have entitled Walk This Way. In fact, this summer we're going to have two larger series that are all about following Christ and being His disciple. And I trust we're going to have a great time. In fact, what we're starting right now will go through two series and last us all the way through till Labor Day in September. So we kind of have two major themes for each series. And each of these series that are coming up are intended to equip you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And in fact, it's even more than that. Our hopes are, as we open up the Word of God and as we humbly learn from Jesus Christ, that we will be equipped, but not only that, but that we will also be equipped to equip somebody else. So that you will be on the receiving end of discipleship from Jesus, but that it will be done in a way that would enable you to do that for somebody else as well. So track along with us as we launch into this brand new series, Walk This Way. This first series will be steeped in the book of Proverbs. Incredible book. Imagine God actually wrote a book for you that would help you to avoid making the worst decisions you could possibly make and help you make the best decisions that you can possibly make in your life. That's what the book of Proverbs is. It is a book of wisdom. In the words of famous theologian Forrest Gump, stupid is as stupid does. This book, quite literally, is a book that is written to get you away from stupid. Thinking, acting, and speaking stupid. And it's a book that's intended to propel you towards wisdom and towards smart. How many of us here today can honestly say, give us a a true feedback here, yep, I have done stupid, right? We've got an amen and a hallelujah and a hands raised, and myself included. And as you're listening to me, every person here, you can easily look back on your life and say, that wasn't smart. I shouldn't have done that. In fact, it gets worse than that. How many of us here today would say, not only have I done stupid, but then I knew I did stupid, and then I did stupid again. I did. And every one of us have done that in our lives. Here are five critical questions that we're going to be looking at over the course of this series. Number one, who are you? Number two, why are you here? Number three, what path are you on? And this is going to become core to this particular series. We're going to talk about two different paths. Number four, where are you at on that journey or on that path? And number five, what's your next best step? So right now, I want to ask you this question. What path are you on? And this will be the main thrust of the next six weeks here. There are two paths. Let me show them to you. On the battlefield of life, there are two paths with two very different outcomes. And because God loves you so much, He gives you free will to choose which path are you going to go on. It really is a critical decision for your life. Let's take a look at our very first proverb in this series. It's chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, But in the end, it is the way to death. What a sobering little scripture. It's very, very serious. There's a way that seems right to you and to me, but one is going to lead you to life, and one of these ways is going to lead you to death. So let's take a look at these these two paths. Path number one, we are going to entitle 
the way of the wise. And the way of the wise is the way towards truth. It is a path that will lead you to correct identity, correct purpose and mission, and it's going to bring about spiritual transformation in your life. The second path is the negative path, and we're going to entitle this the way of the fool, and it's going to lead you to deception. It's going to lead you to destruction in your life, where we will get entangled in the ways and in the thinking of this world, and on that path, there'll be little to no spiritual transformation taking place in your life. You're not becoming a a disciple. You're not following Jesus well when you're on the way of the fool. So the obvious question is, which path are you on today? And how far down that path have you traveled? Because nobody wakes up in the morning and says to themselves, oh, today I'm going to do a foolish, foolish thing. Nobody wakes up and says, I'm aiming deliberately at the foolish way of going through my life. No one wakes up and says, I'm going to make a bad decision and then make a very poor choice and then find a half-baked solution. That's what I want for my day. Nobody does that. Nobody operates that. And yet, everybody knows somebody And that's the story of their life. This happens to people every day. How many of us have had occasions where you've wanted to go up to somebody because of what you've seen them think or say or do, and you want to shake them? It's like you want to knock some sense into them. You want to look at them and say, look, this isn't going to go well for you. This isn't going to, in fact, you are setting yourself up for failure. And and then there's ourselves, and we have done that to ourselves as well. And when you do that, because it's not deliberate, because nobody wakes up and says, I want that, the word for it is that you've actually been deceived. You're living your life in a foolish and destructive way, and somehow you think you're doing well, or somehow you think you're right in doing that. You're deceived, and deception becomes your destination. There is a way that seems right to a man. They think they're right, but they're not. They're deceived. You literally say to yourself, man, it feels like the right thing to do. It seems like the right way to think. I thought I was right about that decision. What I didn't know is that I was actually wrong. I was actually deceived, and it was a way that led to death and destruction. So where does the downward progression begin? What are the steps of becoming a fool? And is it possible that you and I could have an awareness from the Word of God to see those things transpire and say, okay, now I want to avoid that. So what I want to lay out for you right now is, and it will be what we do throughout the course of this series, is a foolishness scale. And then in a minute, I'm going to show you a wisdom scale. And I want us to see where you are on the scale. So let me map it out for you if I can. This is what I'm going to call the foolishness scale. We're going to do a little scale here, 0 through 10. 2, 4, 6, 8. So, starting at 0, showing us sort of the beginning of an incremental model of foolishness. And the first one will be this word here, simple. A simple person. Progressing further along is folly. The next step is slothful, then we have mocker, and then the very final step 
is a fool. This is moving incrementally in a direction that is going to be the red zone over here, a very destructive place. Now, if you've ever read the book of Proverbs before, perhaps you recognize some of those words because they're actually littered all over the book. If you've never read Proverbs before, I really can't wait to introduce these to you. To ask yourself the question, am I simple? Is slothfulness a part of my life? Has mockery come into my life a little bit? Where am I on this path? And if I am, where am I on this path? So let's go through these very quickly, and then we'll dive into these deeper each week throughout this series. The first stepping stone is the word simple. A simple-minded person can be very naive. They are easily drawn in. They're easily enticed by other things. It's the kind of person who'll believe almost anything. And a person who'll believe anything will end up in trouble. Proverbs chapter 14 says this, a simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thoughts to his steps. Chapter 22 says this, a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. The simple, so they see the danger, but they keep going and they suffer for it. How would you know today if you are a simple man or a simple woman? Easy. I got one question for you guys. Ready? Did you know that the word gullible is not in the dictionary? Did you see Alison's face? <laughs> okay, that's a, it's a pretty bad joke. If you're thinking even for a second, wow, they missed that word. How come that isn't in the dictionary? You might be slightly on the simple side here, okay? I was trying to pull the wool over your eyes. A simple person, if you think about your life and you think about the trajectory of your life, okay, here are decisions, here are things I want to avoid and difficulties and challenges, here are opportunities, here's my life in front of me, here's what a simple person does. They're thinking about one inch in front of their nose. They're not able to have any kind of forward thinking taking place and they're missing things. And so it's like somebody shines something shiny in front of them and it's like, oh, look at the shiny thing. I want this shiny thing. I'm going to do everything I can to get the shiny thing. And we've all seen children behave like that. Sometimes we grow up and we're still functioning like that. It is a lack of thoughtfulness and future thinking. I've met many young people in particular, and they're beginning to bump into kind of key important decisions in their life. Things like money, career, education, where am I going to live? and they're thinking about an inch in front of themselves, just grabbing on to the next shiny thing, and it's simple-mindedness. Solomon, who wrote this book, he says, you can escape this. You can actually get onto a better path. The second, second stepping stone is the word folly. Now, that is not a very common word. You'd not really hear that in everyday conversation, but it comes up again and again in the book of Proverbs. Here's the definition. Here's how to know if you're in this place. Folly is a lack of discipline. Folly is a lack of judgment. And if you have a lack of discipline and a lack of judgment, it makes you to be an easy target to be led astray by somebody else. Chapter 5 says this, he will die for a lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. Chapter 15, Folly delights a man who lacks, here it is, judgment. These are these two issues here, discipline and judgment, or an absence of these things in your life. 
It continues, a man of understanding keeps a straight course. So here's a lack of discipline. You wake up in the morning, but you're tired. So you hit that snooze button. We all know the snooze button, right? Gives you a little extra seven or eight or nine minutes. You hit the snooze button again. You hit the snooze button again. Now you're late for work. Now you got a warning from your boss. A few nights later, you are up till 3 a.m. playing Battlefield 5. You have work at 6 a.m. You wake up at 5.30. You hit the snooze. You hit the snooze again. You're exhausted. You didn't get much sleep last night because you were playing Battlefield 5 all night. Guess who doesn't have a job anymore? Guess who can't pay his rent? Guess who's lost her apartment? Guess who's in trouble? And that person will usually find somebody else to blame for hitting snooze all of those times and staying up in the, all night playing video games. Folly delights in poor judgment. Folly looks at something and says, should I do this? Uh, it doesn't really matter when it actually really does matter. This person lacks judgment. This person lacks discipline. Stepping stone number three, slothful. It's pure laziness. I don't want to do the work. It's irresponsible. And this person is usually filled with excuses. Again, I want you to ask yourself the question, is this me? Am I on this path? Does this describe me? Do I have a tendency to go in this direction? Well, you can get off of this path. The problem with this is if, you are, if you're moving down the path of the fool and you get to slothful, you will spend years of your life and you look back and if this is you, you'll find, man, I've got nothing to show for the way I've been living my life. There's nothing happened here. Chapter 20 says this, the slothful, the slothful does not plow in season, so at harvest time he looks but finds nothing. This is so dumb. This is insanely dumb. Imagine going out to your field in the autumn, looking for wheat, wandering around in your field. Where's the wheat when you never planted anything? It's dumb. It doesn't make any sense. You should know better than to look for something when you never put the seed in the ground to begin with. How many of you can think of times when you suffered because you didn't do the work? You didn't show up. You didn't sweat. You didn't study. You didn't put in the hours and you made excuses and that will strip your life of impact. Stepping stone number four, mocker. Now we're getting quite far down the path of the way of the fool. We're getting into the red zone. This is dangerous territory. A mocker will not listen to other people. A mocker, now pride and arrogance begins to swell in their life. A mocker resents anybody who tries to correct or say, hey, you know, you might want to think twice about that to steer them in the right direction. They can't take it. A mocker would never consult somebody else, even if that person knows better than they do, even if that person is full of wisdom. A mocker won't go there. They're too proud. Chapter 13, a wise son heeds his father's instructions, but a mocker does not listen to rebuke. Chapter 15, a mocker resents correction. He will not consult the wise. That's a horrible place to be in your life where you think, I'm smarter than everybody. You may not say it out loud, but it's actually what you believe. 
And do you want to know, just from my own personal observation, the kinds of people that I have noticed fall into this kind of stepping stone here, the mocker. It's actually really smart people, which is ironic. People with a higher IQ, they get caught up with pride, and all of a sudden, they just won't listen to anybody else, and they fall into this trap. And I've met that person many times before. I bet you have as well. It doesn't matter. A mocker could be having a conversation with somebody who's an outright expert. They could have four PhDs and 25 years of experience in a particular field. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to listen to you. I know better than you do. They know better. They're consumed with arrogance and it becomes nasty. And it's the red zone. When you find yourself functioning like a mocker, you need to Stop in your tracks right there and you need to turn around and go no further because the final stage is awful. A God-given trial can jar a mocker. It can shake them and knock some sense into them. It may be unpleasant, but it may be the best thing for them. But this next stage, this person becomes, they get to a state where there's nothing to be done for them. The last stepping stone for the way of the fool is a fool. A fool has literally become stupid and perverse in their thinking. Nobody tells me what to do with my life. Now, if you look back a few stepping stones, you'll remember the word folly. Fool and folly may seem like very similar words, but there's a distinction. Folly is a lack of discipline and a lack of judgment. A fool, their mind is completely warped. Apart from an absolute intervention from God, there is little hope for a fool. Look at the ultimate destination of a fool, chapter 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And here's how difficult it is to help a fool, to stop a fool, to show them the error of their life. Chapter 27, though you grind a fool in a mortar, Grinding him like grain with a pestle, you will not remove his folly from him. Very final stepping stone. And this is, this is not a condition of foolishness. This is the end destination. And it's judgment. You're no longer thinking rightly. You believe that you only have your own best interest in mind all the time. You no longer listen to God. You no longer listen to any other person. Only your opinion matters. And for many people, this is the point of no return. Judgment is waiting for you. Now, every person in this room has dabbled on this path, the way of the fool. There's nobody that hasn't put their toe in the water. Others of us here today, you're still there. You're actually not dabbling. You're living on this path. And God wants to get your attention today in this safe environment of the loving presence of the Father. I want you to listen to his voice. He's going to point out where you are, on which path, and where exactly you are on that path. Here's the good news. You don't have to stay on that path. Let me show you a second graph here, and this is going to be the way of the wise. All right, scale number two is the way of the wise. Very similar, zero through 10. And let me show you these descriptors that we find in the book of Proverbs. The first one is knowledge. 
The second one is actually wisdom itself. The third one is understanding. Then we have discernment, D-I-S-C-E-R-N. Pardon my terrible handwriting. And lastly, the end destination is prudence. And these are the words that we find scattered all throughout this book of wisdom. Here's the question. Who do you get wisdom from in your life? Do you have a source? Maybe you have no source of wisdom at all. Is this culture your source of wisdom? Or do you have maybe some authors that you read and you say, you know, these are the people that I learn from. Maybe your friends. Now, you've got to think about this carefully. Sometimes you would say, yeah, oh, I, you know, my friends, they give me input. You've got to watch out. Sometimes there's a difference between companionship, right? You've got your friends, but you actually find, actually, I don't actually glean anything from them. Or is it something spiritual? Do you gain wisdom from, from this book right here, from the Word of God, or from your church, or from your pastor, or from the preaching of God's Word, or from your community group, or from your spouse, or from godly trusted men and women who are following Jesus Christ. Look at the first stepping stone, knowledge. Knowledge comes from the Lord. Knowledge is the source, uh, excuse me, God is the source of all truth. So the question is, where are you getting knowledge from? Where are you deriving that from? The wise person, as we go throughout your life, is always searching and seeking for knowledge. And this Bible, what I want to say to you here is, is there's many sources of information and knowledge out there, but I'm going to tell you unequivocally, this book right here is the single greatest source of knowledge. The person who accesses this regularly and humbly is leaning into the wisest source of knowledge. Proverbs chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So, for example, it's wise to make preparations for your finances for the day where you are old and no longer working. Doesn't that just make sense? And so, it would be wise to say, I'm going to get some knowledge about preparing for that. Now, this is very, very practical. And so, a person might say, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a book about finances. Or maybe I'm going to make an appointment with a financial advisor and they're going to talk to me about how to have a retirement plan. That makes a whole lot of sense. That's the first step, gaining knowledge, getting that information in your head, and it is a right and godly thing to do. The second step is putting that knowledge into practice. The second stepping stone is called wisdom. This is a truth-focused mindset. So you're going to take that knowledge but now you're going to say, I'm actually going to do something with the knowledge. I'm going to apply it to my life. Knowledge can exist without wisdom. But wisdom cannot exist without knowledge. Chapter 14. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. So great that you read a book about money. Great that you made an appointment with a financial advisor. Knowledge is saying, I'm making a commitment to that knowledge. Now I'm going to act on it. I'm going to commit in my heart and in my will to it, and I'm going to put it into practice in my life. Stepping stone number three, understanding. Somebody takes the course of time, applies knowledge and wisdom, and says, 
I'm going to take this out for a test drive again. And that is called experience. Understanding probably won't come overnight. Understanding takes a little bit of time. You actually experience the ups and downs of life, difficult people, uh, challenging circumstances. You learn some hard knocks. You go, wow, that was hard. Next time I'll do better with that. I'm going to take knowledge and wisdom and now I'm going to apply that through the course of time and experience so that now I actually have understanding. Chapter 15. He who ignores discipline despises himself. He who heeds correction gains, here's the word, understanding. Chapter 2. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. And then this proverb is really great. It's chapter 17. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. So I kind of say this lightheartedly, but have you ever met somebody and they've been so foolish, you guys are going to be so Christian, they're going to say no. You just want to slap them across the face. Alison says no. Someone has made say, such a mistake that you just want to go, you just want to grab their attention and say, stop doing that. That's kind of what this proverb is talking about. It's saying, man, if you were to do that to somebody a hundred times, if you were to give them a blow, it wouldn't make a difference because they're a fool. But a man of understanding, a woman of understanding, you could give them a rebuke. So who, who wants a rebuke? Nobody wants a rebuke. When somebody says something difficult and hard to you and confronts you with something, but a man or a woman of understanding says, I will take that rebuke, I'll take that blow, and I will gladly mine the gold from it so that there is good that can be brought about in my life. A person of understanding, they understand a thing or two because they've experienced a thing or two. The next stepping stone, this person now has probably some years of walking down the path of the wise. And this is called a sermon. So could I challenge those of you here today listening to my voice, particularly if you are, let's say you're in your 50s or above. Can I say this to you? I mean this seriously. You're going to love this. In fact, you're really going to like your pastor for this one. You're just coming into your prime. I mean that really seriously. I, every summer I play football. And now by football, I mean real football that you use your feet. And I, last summer when I went out, I discovered that I was actually the oldest man on the field. I had everyone by a few years. And I've come to the conclusion that I can no longer keep up with a 20-year-old college student from CMU. They are faster than me. They just react quicker than I do. They're stronger than I am. I just can't keep up with them anymore. But here's what I would say. Spiritually, I'm still coming into my prime. Here's what I mean by this. For those of you who are in your 50s, in your 60s, in your 70, 70s and older, this church, this community needs you. You should be leading community groups. You should be teaching and coaching and mentoring and discerning and discipling like crazy. That's not to say that a younger person can't do that, but discernment is gained through years of experience. Chapter 10, wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of him who lacks judgment. Now, that is not to say that if, if you're in your mid-50s, you are automatically a discerning person. No, because if you're in your mid-50s and you spent your entire life on the path of the fool, you're not going to be anywhere close to that. And we've all met that elderly man or woman, and you would still look at them and say, 
there's a juvenile infancy to their maturity. They have not grown in wisdom at all. Last stepping stone is prudence. Prudence is gained through a lifetime of experience. Making a person wise, shrewd, and able to help and counsel. Chapter 27, the prudent see danger, they take refuge, but the simple keep going and they suffer for it. Chapter 13, every prudent man acts out of knowledge, but a fool exposes his folly. When I was an older teenager, maybe in my early, early 20s, maybe 20, 21 years of age, there was a gentleman in my church in Dublin who I just had such love and respect for. Um, he even had the best name. He, he just had the best name. And he, he was an elderly gentleman. I would say he was in his early 80s. His name was Ernest. Now, isn't that just a great name? Nobody, nobody uses names like that anymore. His name literally meant sincere, to be earnest. And he really was. He was everything that his name spoke. He was retired many years by the time I met him in my kind of early, early 20s. His face was full of creases and lines, and his hair was white. He had woolly white hair on top of his head. Behind his back, I used to say to people that he actually looked like God. And I used to, mock, I used to joke to my friends, and I'd say, Ernest, he was such a godly man, I would say, he's the fourth member of the Trinity. He, he was just one of those guys that loved God, was steeped in the Word of God. He was the essence of politeness. He was a gentleman. He was so patient. And he just was a man of the word, a man of God's presence. He moved slowly. And by the time I was taking baby steps in the kingdom of God and in leadership and in preaching and in worship and in, in the local church, I was taking these baby steps. He in would come earnest and he would make the slow approach to me and he would just begin to speak these words. And it was just high octane discipleship and care and encouragement and wisdom. I will never forget that man. It brings us to the very final destination of all of these stepping stones, and that is reward. See, my friend Ernest, there's no doubt about it, he lived a life on the, the path of the wise, the way of the wise. He was a man of prudence. He leveraged his knowledge and his wisdom and his understanding and his discernment to influence people, including me, for the kingdom of God. Now, he went home to be with the Lord many years ago. I can only imagine his reward. He's with his Father in heaven. These are the paths over the next several weeks that we're going to dive deep into together. I want you to become a leader of self this summer. A follower of Christ is a leader of self. And not only that, I want you to go beyond that. I want you to become a leader of others this summer. We're going to go down these paths, the way of the wise and the way of the fool. For some of you, this will be a much needed course correction. You're going to slam on the brakes and say, Come on, thank you, Lord, you've shown me I'm going the wrong way. For others of you, you're on a great place. You're on the right path. You're on the path of the wise. But God's going to show you exactly where you are on that path and what the best next steps are for you. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful book of wisdom that you have given to us. Lord, we're excited about, the Holy, uh, about this summer and what you're going to speak to us, Holy Spirit. And we ask you right now, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say to me? What do you have to say to every person listening here today? I pray that you would show us clearly what path we're on, 
and exactly where we're on on that path, that we would become wonderful disciples of Jesus Christ and that we would become people who are equipped to disciple others as well. Help us to get onto the right path. We cannot wait to see what you do in our hearts this summer together. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless Community Church. Have a wonderful week.